This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is the returning Michael Barr of Volumes. Uh, This one, I've been working on getting Michael back on for a little bit now. Uh, We had such a great chat the first time he was on when the band had put out a couple of singles, Uh, and it's kind of fun when you don't really have a to promote anything because I mean at that point like there was no tour there wasn't an album coming it just was these two songs it was kind of reintroducing Michael back into the band uh and we just kind of had a really good rapport right away with each other and just talking about really fun interesting things and um you know so I wanted to try to get Michael back on and you know touring right now during COVID times has been tough uh there's not really any in-person interviews going on because, uh, you know, basically if it shuts down a date of the tour or a cancellation has to happen, that's just it financially just derails a tour really bad. Um, so we we had to kind of wait for the tour to be done. And then, you know, we finally got some time for Michael and I to chat. And uh, I got to say, I feel like actually, once again, serendipitous timing of all of this. I just feel like um, sometimes I talk to people when I'm supposed to talk to them, not necessarily when I when I should. Um you know, like, oh, we're on a tour, so let's do it now. Let's hit the, you know, the press junket. Let's hit the tour cycle. Um, I almost find it better to actually talk to someone when there is nothing really to promote, like I said earlier, the first time we talked with him. And it's always interesting with with Michael and I and some of these other people where, you know, we just kind of hit on things. It's almost like there's this weird energy that's just like, oh, man, this is something I've been thinking about. And then, like, I talk to Michael or I talk to someone else and like, fuck, man, I was just talking about this with someone the other day or today or whatever. Um, And the thing that I loved about Michael is, you know, that very much happened again. And I was kind of worried that, like, the first chat went so well would kind of lightning strike twice uh, with this one. And thankfully, it really did. Um, And there's something that I walked away with just really loving about talking with Michael and just who he is as a person based on the few couple hours I've spent with him at this point. It's just, he's not afraid to like 
be honest and sincere. You know, there's a point in the chat where, you know, I was talking about starting kind of over with the podcast with certain aspects of it. And it's scary, you know, to kind of lose this momentum you feel like you have um, and how you can kind of apply that in your life uh, when you feel a little bit stagnant at times. And to hear him kind of say, like, yeah, you know, that's sort of what we're doing with the band, you know, like I'm back in it and we're playing, you know, some some smaller rooms or maybe the attendance isn't quite what we wanted it to be or where it used to be. But, you know, we're, we're kind of working uh, on rebuilding, you know, what we had, who we are and all this kind of stuff and, and admitting, you know, that it's scary um, and, and talking about some of the influences uh, of other bands uh, and seeing kind of like what other people do, how you can find success and take, you know, successful ideas from others and try to incorporate them into what you do. Um, it's just, it's, it's really eye opening and refreshing to just kind of hear someone in the industry that's been at it for as long as Michael has to just kind of not bullshit. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people would actually be afraid to say that, you know, it's scary and, and, you know, the numbers aren't quite where they were or what they were hoping for and all this kind of other stuff. Uh, but I think that that's actually really commendable. Uh, and I think actually probably speaks to more about Michael as a person, um, than I think, you know trying to build yourself up, trying to make your band sound of a certain way. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's those kind of bands that, you know, have those quote-unquote overnight careers. You know, you look at Ice Nine Kills, everyone knows who they are now, but Spencer and, and the bands over the time of the different members have been grinding it out for a decade plus, and now all of a sudden everyone's like, they're the hot new thing. And it's like, I mean, yeah, not new by any stretch. Um, you know, you got to sometimes log in those those countless, tireless, thankless hours into something. It's in all of that, though, that I think is where you find more reward in all the sacrifice and hard work because it didn't come easy. And I, I always love, you know, the, the like I said, the overnight story that was 10 years in the making. Um, so speaking of not taking 10 years, I'm going to keep this intro short. Let's get into my conversation with Michael Barr, and I'll talk to you all on the other side of it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think I'm not supposed to be in here. <laughs> yeah, that's why, like, because I, I usually get in here a couple minutes before just in case something stupid yeah. happens or whatever. But no, no um, stress. Yeah, no. Uh, good having you back on and getting to chat. It's been shit. It's been like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, yeah. That was a very, I was about uh, 50 pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, think I got your 50 pounds. Like, Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. It's good to talk to you, though. No, I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, I've been trying to, to get you back on for a little bit, especially with the record coming. The record came, you got busy with stuff for that. And then basically it was like, well, let's try the tour. And tour just got real busy, especially because it was so weird. Because like the timing they gave me was like a weird four hour block, the same every day. But it would be whatever time zone you were in for that, which on my end got like, instead of being like, they can do four to eight their time. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, so right now they're in Atlanta, so that's the same time. Like, I'd have to go through your tour and then try to figure out, like, 
okay, I can make that work on this day, but it'll be <laughs> this time. Yeah. It was so weird. I felt so bad. And then I got sick. And then that was like, I was just like, uh, like felt like I was Jack Nicholson in the shining in this hotel that I was staying in. And it just was like, I was, I was just like, they're like, do you want to do this interview? I was like, no, not gonna, <laughs> like, this is not going to be a good one. So I, well, I mean, no, no. I mean, and the thing is, and I think you probably obviously remember from the last time, it's not really an interview anymore. It's just like a conversation. So it's course, even, even easier on both of us. Cause we don't have to like, you don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to divulge the same fucking 10 answers I've given to the same eight questions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I actually was, uh, yeah, I was telling that to my girlfriend this morning. I was like, you know, you can get really, really like repetitive some of these interviews, but I'm always down to talk, and, and I, that's why I'm the one in the band that does the most because <laughs> it's it's fine. Like, you know, I'm always, I'm, I love chatting with people and connecting with people. So, well, I guess that's a good starting point. Like, I'm not going to ask you, like, oh, well, how was the tour? Like, tour looked like it was great. But the thing that I have, the thing I have found interesting about shows coming back and and seeing friends come around, is the absence of that. Really, is the fact that I typically don't get to see the person that I'm I, I'm really going to the show to go see. As much as I like the band or whatever, I'm there to see my friends, and it's been weird to yeah, I can hang out with you for about ten minutes. You got to be kind of far away, me too. Like no no contact basically. Um, so, and to me, I feel like that's that's one of the more rewarding parts of tour outside of the show is getting to see friends and getting to to visit and go explore these cities. So, how was it only kind of getting to do one third of what makes touring fun? In my opinion, yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely like tread like treaded lightly and and didn't. It was a very different tour in many ways, as far as like the social aspect. I hadn't toured in like that in this format, like on a bus with crew and production and years, I was doing like a lot of like janky DIY stuff where like, you don't really have um, any choice, but to be on top of one another. But uh, even with how organized this one was and how you know, we were a little bit more comfy, we uh, just kind of like leaned into that more. And it was just like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to just be super mellow and chill and not have, you know, tons of people on our bus and in the green rooms and stuff like that. And uh I don't know how we made it as far as we did without, I mean, eventually like I got COVID, our fill-in guitarist got COVID, our, some of our crew members got COVID, but it was like toward, it was like the last week of the tour. And I mean, we, we did pretty good up until then. And uh, as far as like hanging out with friends and stuff, you just kind of like, I, we just, you have to like kind of pick and choose like who's, who you put and It's hard, but things, you know, and hopefully like you explain to your friends and your guests and your family, like just so different. Like my mom didn't even come out to any of these shows on this tour because she's in her sixties. And like, I have my aunt who's dear to me and she's in her seventies. And I was just like, don't even come. And that was a first for me to not have family at like the hometown show and stuff like that. So just all around, it just looked different, but you know, it's like the show's got to go on and like, we love touring. So it's, you know, you look, you just, are you out there to have fun and get infected? Or are you out here to like keep it going and work? That's what it kind of is like now. Like you just freaking job, full job. 
Yeah, it was kind of funny because you, you had actually prosed and, I, and it was funny to see basically three quarters of the comments on this were people that I'm friends with. So I thought it was a good talking point because I mean, it's something I've been kind of thinking a little bit about, too. But, you know, you had prosed on, on Twitter the other day. If the touring industry shuts down again for an extended period of time, it will be very interesting. <laughs> one who sticks it out again and will be able to survive as an entity or a band which i love the fact that you didn't just put a band an entity because it, I, yeah. I don't think people maybe will pick up on the nuance of that question which i thought was really interesting and then two who acclimates and adapts beyond what it has already reimagined the first time around or what was already reimagined the first time around and i think you know, it's so interesting, you know, that that question, you know, and the funny thing is, is you look at two of the people that I know personally in there, Frank uh, Finelli and Jim are right. two great examples of something I talk about on this podcast all the fucking time, which is pivoting. Like if something's not working, you fucking pivot and find your way. Yeah. And successful people will always be able to do that. And Frank is one of those, you know, he's been on this show a couple of times and has told his story about, you know, foregoing high school and education and betting on himself and then, you know, doing his band. And then that didn't pan out quite the way he wanted. So he became a TM and, and, and did all the things behind the scenes that have made him successful in this, in this music industry. And, you know, Jim very much the same realized that he has a family and, and can't, and wasn't going to tour even beyond COVID uh, before that was a thing and got into real estate. And yeah. has been killing it here locally doing that. And it's like, those are two great examples of people who kind of, I think, took the information that the world has kind of given them and then realized and found a way to take what they know how to do and their passions and put it towards something else and still being successful. Yeah. I mean, I think especially like I've, I've known Jim for a long time. I've known Frank for a long time. And at this juncture, I think, you know, they're, they're a little older than me. I'm, I'm turning 32 in February and uh, especially for our like run. And from when I met those guys toured with Jim toured with Frank to now, it's like, if we're, if you're, you know, 30 and plus and in a band and still trying to tour, you got to have some type of system figured out where, you know, no one's, no one's buying cars and houses. And <laughs> I mean, some bands are, but majority of the bands aren't, you know, the percentage of the bands that aren't, you got to have, some type of system where like it's kind of like you work to tour it's a fucked up thing and some people love doing it some people don't like I, I i know people that are quitting bands i know people that someone that just quit a band two days ago and <laughs> who knows what the reasons are but i'm sure allotted to it is is you know like the compensation is near to none sometimes and you have to work your way up to get you know uh, your band in a position where you can have maybe hopefully some type of salary or some type of monthly stipend or something like that. Um, yeah. I just think like the, it's so different. It was already hard and now it's just um, everything's so saturated with how accessible things are. So I think that plays into like uh, the ongoing conversation of, of especially with our, oh, then you have COVID on top of it. Let's not forget that. So it's like, you have all these, the odds are so stacked in the music industry right now. Like you look at the art community and it's booming. You have NFTs, it's thriving. Like it's, you look at the music industry and I just, it's like the slipperiest slope I've seen yet. So I just really think it's like kind of utilizing like your platform in a multifaceted way now. And, and that means like, if you're a real estate agent, like throw that in the mix, be the guy who's like in a band and a real estate agent and use that, maybe as like a way in, or you know something like that i think you have to do those drastic moves now and 
kind of pander into like being accessible, which is something I'm learning. And I kind of indifferent towards as far as like putting myself out there all the time and having blogs and stuff like that. So I think there's so many routes you can take and it's really confusing and the morale is just really low to quite frankly, as far as like that conversation, you go look on my thread, like it just, it uh, everyone's just like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'll give up right now. Like, you know, and I think we're not all ready to do that. And that's not the positive, that's not the vibe I want to bring into the conversation, but like it looms and it's there. And I think more than ever, people are really, really like taking a hard look in the mirror, seeing what's, what's works for them and what doesn't, you know, and if real estate and uh, I know, I mean, I know someone else that has full careers going to college and stuff like that. Um, if all that stuff is working and you know, I got just like highly advise you, like do it. Sorry. Don't, don't drop that. You know, you <laughs> my Apple watch is listening. They're always listening. <clears throat> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's, you got to have like some type of scheme, like uh, uh, even if you're not my age or our age, you know, and even if you're a young, young guy coming into this scene, like, I, you know, that's what I would suggest. Like get, get that, get that steady income first. Cause it's, it's not there. And like, obviously, you know, it, the music industry is kind of in shambles right now and you got to really enjoy what you're doing to, to stick it out. Well, I think there's, there's a couple layers to that even that I think are interesting to talk about, which is, you know, applying like I think Jim, Jim and Frank, I think are great examples of how they were able to apply what they've learned in the, in the industry touring and applying it to a slightly different career field, I guess, you know, Frank has gone into the vintage t-shirt selling thing, which it's like, okay, how does someone who slings merch for a living as one of his jobs, not know about the brands, the cuts, you know, prints, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, with him focusing mainly on bands, he's that's the world he fucking knows. And so it's funny to see him like just having almost instant success in that. And I'm like, well, of course you would. Um, and then same with Jim. It's like, he's almost applying the way I look at it is like sometimes when he, when he shares like these houses that, you know, he's, he's listing, it almost feels like a, a pre-drop of a single, like, Oh, here's a tease of the house. Oh, it'll go live, you know, on Friday. And then you'll see the full video. And it's almost like a band dropping, like here's the 32nd teaser. Are you excited? Well, you gotta be following it and, you know, go ahead and pre-save whatever. It's exactly. the same things and the same the the it's almost making all the sacrifices and all the shittiness that you guys have gone through to earn the names and earn your way in the industry and applying it. So you don't have to start at the very fucking bottom in something it, else. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly, it's really, I mean, cause like none of us went to, you know, none of us went to college. I mean, I don't know if they might've, but I'm, I'm guessing. I doubt like, it. <laughs> right? I know Frank didn't. <laughs> right. So like it, you, that's, and that's like, you know, pivoting to like yeah we were talking kind of negatively about but it's like now it's it's kind of like the whole package is important like you have a guy in a band that's one thing but i feel like with how accessible things are like all of it is interesting so maybe at one time you would you wouldn't even think about putting that you know as part of your timeline or into your your you know brand quote unquote but like yeah i mean if i was buying a house like buying a house sucks like i would be like oh i'm i'm going like this is going to be fun with this guy who's crushed you know so i feel like it's just such an interesting time like it could be a good thing it could be a bad thing that we're not fully just leaning on music and like leaning on that it's like you like i have a clothing brand and i have 
you know, a couple of other things that I'm like putting together that are revolve around creativity, but like really have nothing to do with music. So it's just like, and I know like this is something I kind of have to do. And if I want to stay creative, like I might not be able to do music for the rest for the rest of my life. Like there it might be a finite amount of time where this lasts. So yeah, it's just it's it's crazy to see like I think in the last three to three to five years, like how people incorporate so much other things and like just like Frank, like perfect example, dove in feet first into something like he was probably interested in, really had no no idea about. It's killing it. And it's like obvious that he has so much fun with it. So it's really cool. I at one point I wasn't under really like understanding of of all this. And I'm kind of like the last person I feel like that is like caved in and been like, okay, cool. I'm gonna like flush my my interests and my like you know hobbies out too because it's just as important as the music now you know that's just that's undeniably like where we are so well i think you know it kind of even speaks to you know there was that kind of trope for a little while in the scene where it was like oh are you in a band do you have a clothing line do you have this do you like you were more than just like the singular thing and, you know, for as much as some people joked about it and you look at someone like Diddy, you know, it's so fu- it's so funny because like I was talking with a, a friend of mine, uh, James, who works for Holix, which they do like host all the uh, media links for like albums before they come out. And he has a podcast as well. And so he was texting me yesterday. It was like, oh, it looks like uh, Kanye is going to be headlining Coachella. And I was like, oh. He's like, so I, I hope there's a tour around it. And then basically I ended up finding out that the, you because know, I made the comment, I was like, are people really going to like give a fuck that Kanye is at Coachella? Like, is Coachella just one of those things from my perspective, not having ever been, but that's full of people who don't go because they like music. They just go because it's where the, the thing to be is at. Um, and I was like, sometimes I look at it and I go, I don't know if it's more adventurous to just go to a festival and not give a fuck who's playing. Yeah. Find some dope shit. But I don't know if and then because he was like, well, Travis Scott's dropping and it's uh, Kanye and I guess Billie Eilish. And then I go, all right, well, there's a weird question. What was the Venn diagram of people who would like all three of them? And like, again, like would people give a shit? I go, because, you know, when metal festivals get announced or tour gets announced and someone drops, all you hear is, oh, I was only going for them. And now I'm not going. Whereas I was like, I don't know if there's going to be that same backlash like Kanye's headlining over Travis Scott. People probably are just like, whatever. And so it just raises this question of like, it's not a right or wrong on how you choose to, to be a part of something, but I just don't feel like there's, I don't feel like people give a fuck about music in that, in the same sense anymore either. And then yeah. that was my, my epiphany I had yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I, I feel the same way. And that's why I said entity in that thing, because it's like brand entity. It's like, that's really what's going on. I mean, when as far as like i would love to just be like a guy in a band that like doesn't even do interviews doesn't have social media like that whole vibe is something i would like daydream about can't do it can't do it it's not gonna ha- it's never gonna happen i mean i i would love to see a band that's just like i think the singer from the neighborhood deleted his social media and i was like wow that's rad and like i don't i think he is back on but like there was a period of time where he just wasn't and i was like that that could be something new, but yeah, I just think like uh, people just their attention spans are so short. So music's gotten shittier, and and it's just you p- 
people have broke through the industry that maybe quote unquote aren't as talented as you know we think or we would like or whatever so you know i just dive further into more obscure music i just dive further into stuff that's like unheard of and um it's interesting with the announcement of coachella because i think there's a generation gap like right now between you know the, the like gen z and, and generation x or whatever mm-hmm. i think like this Coachella lineup is going to be really interesting because you're going to see like a bunch of kids that like, I think for the first time, like are probably like, Oh, I don't give a shit about Kanye West. Like young, like, like youth, young kids that like the industry turns to, to like for trends and set styles and stuff like that. I think those kids are like more interested in other things. I honestly think they're more interested in like, like rock and heavy music and, and more like coveted and like, it, like stuff genres like that like very obscure genres versus like going to a Kanye West or a Travis Scott show that's kind of like you know my you know when I was like 25 that was cool I'm 32 now so I feel like <laughs> I would be like yeah I'm not going to a Travis Scott or a Kanye West show like if I was you know if I was this five years six years ago yeah so I just think it's an interesting time to see like the lineup and and see who's who's also build on it because um i just feel like there's so much new music that i don't even know about and just stuff that's bubbling and that makes me feel like excited but also old so it's just like this this time in music is very interesting to see like you know what sticks around what doesn't who's taken seriously still like kanye west felix not on his way out but like cats out of the bag you know like eh, like he's kind of you know, I was I liked Kanye at one point, and now I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy's awful. <laughs> so, a few talking points to that though that I find that are interesting. So, first of all, you know, I, I see a band, you know, because I'm five years older than you. You know, I just turned 37 uh, this past year, and it, it's kind of weird because, like, you know, when that Turnstile EP came out, that would then eventually be what was on Glow On. Like, it felt it felt as important retroactively as when shape of pump to come came out for refuse. Like where you're like, this is, this is something big. This is something that's going to like change things. Like maybe not immediately, but this is that kind of album that's so free and just so doesn't give a fuck about any, like what it should be that this is going to be massive for, for so many bands. And then, you know, that band broke up for a while and didn't get to reap any of the rewards of their, their success in real time. But I feel like turnstile is, is that band, you know, and having seen them a couple years ago on the ETA uh, Christmas show was just wild. And I was like, man, this band's just fucking, it's like really cool to see this band. And then knock loose was playing right after them. And I was like, all right, like these are two bands I think that are young, that seem to kind of be hungry, want to like do all the, the right things, quote unquote, and just be who they are. And if people fuck with it, they do. And if they don't, they don't yeah. care. And to see the success that those two bands have had, but to see how big Turnstile has become this last year, like getting these opportunities that none of the bands in that scene would have gotten. Like, I don't think you would have seen them on like the NPR tiny desk thing. You wouldn't have seen them on late night. Like they have, you wouldn't see them on post Malone's festival. You know, they're taking that, those opportunities and same with, uh, uh, power triplers was a few years ago on like posties fest, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, to see some of these bands traversing from, hardcore or metal or whatever and getting into this more i'll call it mainstream but i almost feel like it's like what you're saying where it's like these kids at coachella i feel like turnstile would do fucking great there 
because oh, it's yeah. they should. fun. It's just positive energy. I guarantee you they're playing. Here's the good, here, I'm glad we're talking about this because to me, the that rollout and that art direction was like perfect. Like yeah. the best, the best I've seen in years. I haven't felt that way about an album and like time and space made me feel that way. <clears throat> but this one, I was like something about it was just like, you know, I think like a band like that, who has also been around forever um, and has put out so much music, like it takes that long to hit a, something right. Like hit, hit, hit something that's like, I wouldn't even say that's on brand, but it just, it's, it was so, and I dove into it obviously, cause I was so like inspired by it and I love it. And I love, I love that whole album and I love turnstile just as a whole. And they just did a lot of cool stuff. Like they just strayed away from traditional v- music video cues. So if you look at all, if you look at like how that, I think it's like that 10 minute video, there's not one traditional music video cue. Everything's inspired from like old Kung Fu films and like stuff like that. Like um, I, I think like a band that's just like unapologetic in that way creatively is something that is like very intimidating to the rest of the industry. And like they definitely have like set a bar up here as far as like what you can bring to the table and what's possible as far as taste, you know, like a band, like my band, we have to toe a fine line between, I would love to do like the craziest shit and stuff. Like that's very close to me and like in my veins, but it doesn't work all the time because my band's very one selected genre, gent music. We understand that. We care about that a lot. We care about our following, but we've all grown into different people. So like, I'm into other stuff. And that's when I look at a band like turnstile, I'm just like, Whoa, this, it like blows my mind. And so, yeah, it's that nostalgic kind of feeling. Like I, I, it makes me feel like, like you're 37, you said, so it makes me feel like it's 1996 and I'm listening to this record and I'm like swimming in my pool in the summer. Like that's, that's the vibe I get from that mix and the optics of that band and everything. And just like for our industry, knock loose in them, like, even them doing the Seth Myers. Was it Seth Myers? I think it was Seth Myers. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly feel like, listen, like I honestly feel like bands like knock loose bands, like Turnstile are going to be massive, massive in the way where like, they're going to, they're like re and re break in the rock genre, re break in like the heavy music genre to make it, you know, cool and relevant again. You know, there's only so many people that can do it. So Turnstile is definitely like, I see, like you said, those are like two prime examples of bands that are hungry and like not doing traditional boring stuff that we have, honestly, my band, we've all replicated for years. So it's like, you know, just full transparency. Like I love, I love like deprecation and throwing myself under the bus all the time. So yeah, I, I think like heavy music will be huge again because of bands like that and, and, and like, the bands that probably no one ever thought would do that. Everyone might've thought it was someone else or you have these heroes in your mind, but it's really like, you know, kids like that love knock loose kids that love turnstile that, that I think like are going to kind of tip this upside down, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the hard part in this, this sounds like I'm shitting on this band when I say it, but I think 
it's not shitting on him. It's 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 facts, really. Um, and I can and I'll explain this. I feel like Code Orange was the band everyone thought was going to be the band to break fucking massive. Yeah. But I think I don't think that they ever kept a a sound long enough to have a core fan base that then they could branch out li- a little bit and then kind of keep keep that core or most of it intact and then grow the fan base beyond that as well as you look at bands like Knock Loose and Turnstile and I feel like every big look opportunity they've ever gotten every big look tour that they've ever taken has allowed them to grow and you see it when they do their headlining shows or you see them when they play the same rooms and there's <laughs> growth I saw Code Orange on the I am King, or uh, on the Forever no yeah I am King the first like their second record but the first without the kids on it yeah and they were in a like a 420 cap room and there was like 30 people. Yeah. I saw them uh, when they came through on an off date of that Slipknot tour that they were on. There was like 200, 250. And that's still good. But I mean, it's like you're playing a room and you've had all these big look tours like where you you should be growing your, your headlining numbers. Where like you play a 400 cap room and you should sell it out like um, like. Yeah case in point eats it kind of did an underplay and played the same room sold it out in one day yeah knock loose played that same room tickets went on sale the same day as code orange sold it out in like two days mm-hmm. and i mean it's it's just one of those like you see some of these things and you're like the numbers don't lie, the and, numbers that's, don't lie yeah. and that's my thing is i feel like code orange love what they do i love how they they kind of are always at the forefront of so much cool shit, like the way that they basically revolutionized yeah. the live stream sure. to be what it is now. Unfortunately, I think they're going to be one of those bands that is great and does a lot of innovative things, but I think they're just too, too, too quick to get there. And they're, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot at times. I feel like. Sure. I mean, I, I think there's a way to do things. I think, uh i love code orange like i that's some of my favorite music ever made um blew my mind you know uh and that's a band that's been around for years uh been through a lot of different things but i think there's it's two things there's like a window that comes with like putting yourself out there and doing doing like um making things like stuff that you know we're talking about turnstile knock loose where it's a it's very it's very authentic. Like it's very authentic to who these people and these bands are. There's when you do that and you let people in your world and you're a band that's kind of like, hasn't maybe pulled that trigger yet, but now you're pulling it, which I see with knock loose. Obviously we're seeing it with turnstile where, you know, you're seeing like them doing like NPR, them going on late night, like very much putting themselves out there. I think that comes with like a window and sometimes that window can be toyed with. And, and it, I think it's about doing less than doing the most because, you know, like Code Orange, like doing some TV appearances, doing stuff like that. Like what we're talking about, Gary Bell could have rushed into a situation where it's like those resources are there. We can do these things. But like, you know, is it a weird look that you're doing that and then you're playing to 30 people in a 500 cap room? that's like management logistics. Like those are things I don't know about and I could be wrong, but I, I, if, you know, I just think like a band, some bands are about like doing things very strategically and doing things less and like very slow. And I can see 
some timelines move faster, some timelines move slower. And I'm always a fan of like the slow trajectory because it's just, yeah, it's, it's like, it, you know, it lets people kind of grow with what's happening. And um, like I said, now more than ever, it's so saturated that I just feel like, yeah, doing things kind of the opposite way, slow, kind of like obscure, maybe some guerrilla marketing drop stuff like that is, is the way to, to, to really like, thrive and like yield you know what we're talking about but like you know then again like i don't want to say anything bad about court orange i love them and um my i can relate i mean like our band my band personally has done like cool stuff cool tours we've had a lot of hype around us and like we struggled a lot with ticket sales and stuff like that i just feel like certain bands it comes natural and that that's due to you know how they have positioned themselves other bands it's a little harder and maybe since it's harder they try to position themselves a little harder so it's you know it's it's like it's tough i feel like not everyone can have sold out shows all the time <laughs> you know and i can relate to that and like you know yeah you do you go from some nights are massive then you do small small nights and you look at other bands maybe your peers your friends and they're just like steadily selling out shows it ebbs and flows they'll probably catch a flip side where it's not as you know fluid for them so you know downstream so it's 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 a it's a it's an interesting situation with with ticket sales and turnouts and stuff like that yeah. the other thing and a comment that i i find an interesting talking point and i and i was so all about it when it happened and then i just never really had the outlet to really discuss it in any capacity um so i went to the the third donda event in chicago because it's only like three hours from here and i watched the first two that were in atlanta we were gonna try to go but with how little time he gave you for like they'd be like tuesday I'm playing Thursday in Atlanta and you're like, man, those flights are fucking balls expensive. I can't afford, like I can't justify spending $600 each between my wife and I, plus the tickets, plus, you know, an Airbnb and all that kind of stuff just to, to go. Um, but it was one of those things as I was at the event and, you know, he's selling out a re stadiums to hear a record that no one has, has heard. And the thing that was interesting, at least about ours, especially with it being the last one, um, is, you know, when he comes out and jail, uh, which at the time was how he ended every performance. It was supposed to be is like the last track on the record uh, as we had heard it. And it starts off. And then all of a sudden you don't hear Jay's Jay's voice on it. You hear the baby and you hear Manson. And we're like, yo, what the fuck? Like, what happened to that verse? Like, where's it at? And you're starting to pickpocket, you know, or pick apart like what was and where it is. And so it was really interesting to see a stadium and the, and the spectacle of it all of like putting a show together and each show was different. And what did it all mean in context to the record? And it was so interesting that for as much as people, a lot of people are like, Oh, I haven't really given a fuck about a Kanye record since, you know, graduation or, or whatever, you know, there's different eras of where people fall off or get on. But I think the thing that's still interesting to me is here's a dude who essentially captured the world's imagination with a record that wasn't even fucking done and getting people excited to break down whatever he's giving them into where we're all like, I walked away going like, does this change live music and performance art entirely yeah. from here forward? What yeah. does this do? Because he just, he flipped the whole fucking game on its head, in my opinion. 
And what other band or what other artists will do something like this where you essentially live demo an album? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I think that, like I was having this conversation this morning with my girlfriend being like the amount of like zoom interviews I've done compared to like years before being in this band, doing my solo stuff. I was like, you had to be on tour to to do interviews. Like there was never, so the pandemic obviously changed that because everyone got zoom. Zoom turned into a huge company. That's like one shred example of, I think, what he did where it's like, you know, like, what can I, what can I do considering like, you know, we're in a pandemic and, and people are very apprehensive to like go places, this and that. And I would say not so much like that demographic. I think Kanye shows up anywhere people are going to show up. So, but I, as far as like, doing something massive to like groundbreaking right that's something yeah like it seems so simple like why it's the equivalent of going live and like on like twitch and doing like hey we're we're going live we're playing three unheard three songs we you know that are unreleased it's like yeah like why not just like rent out a venue and do that in person people do that people do listening parties but to do like a stadium with the production like I think when you're an artist that big, you have to take advantage of stuff like that. You know, it's it, sometimes it's like this fleeting thought, you know, or it's like, oh, like maybe I could do this crazy idea. When you're an artist that massive, those ideas definitely become reality <laughs> and they become true and there's budgets and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, in the, in the sense of like, I'm not that into Kanye West, in the sense of like objectively zooming out, seeing like what he is doing it's rad i mean like his stage production's insane he's like revolutionizing live music the music industry he has like that's his thing um but yeah as far as like me being an independent artist like you know you look at someone like that it's hard to relate it's hard to like you know the whole like put uh, like political side to him where he's like running for president it's like nuts but yeah objectively like he's doing a lot of cool stuff and like I would go. That's the thing is like he hits every point. It's like I'm not into like the music that much, but I would go because I love live production and I love like logistics. I love seeing like a massive show come together. So I'm sure there's a percentage of people that are just like, yeah, I'm going to fucking go to Mercedes Benz State or, you know, go to like see Kanye in a sick ass stadium. And yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, I saw the the Pablo tour, so just that massive light rig. Which are you a fan? Are you like a, a Kanye fan, like a legit Kanye fan? Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, a... I'm not, I'm not judging you at all. I feel like this whole time you've been like, yeah, like I'm kind of a big like, fan. Well, like it's so. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, nice. Oh, that's that's sick. <laughs> that's like that's the Kanye West I miss, man. With the with the the early two thousands. Yeah. So like the thing for me with it is, and a lot of people, it's, it's just an interesting talking point. Cause like for me, so we were like, my wife and I were watching uh, the evolution of hip hop documentary that's on, I think Hulu or Netflix, one or the other. And the, what's interesting about it is, you know, it focuses like one of the episodes we just watched was on super producers. So it started with like Teddy Riley, Teddy Riley then begat, um, the Neptunes with Pharrell and Chad Hugo. And then, uh, you know, going from Timbaland to, you know, like, and kind of breaking down the, the scenes, uh, geographically, 
um, and talking about all these super producers and how they kind of have become, you know, rock stars in and of their own right. Um, but at one point when they were doing one on, uh, on the producers, you know, they, they got to, and it kind of follows the flow and the generational sound. So it's like Teddy Riley, you know, big on the new Jack swing style stuff, you know, then, uh, the Neptunes basically wrote Rump Shaker, which he did when he was in uh, Rex and Effects. And then you have, you know, what Missy and, and Timbaland are doing, you know, with that kind of crazy off the wall sound, sort of similar to the Neptunes, but a little bit different. But then, you know, they started going and then you're getting to that like mid 90s kind of era. And they're talking about, you know, Dilla. And Dilla was like this sample master, like this lo-fi backpack rap sample rapper. Doing Dude, donuts, <laughs> donuts is like one of my favorite. Albums. So yeah. it's one of those things for me that in the last, like I've always kind of had a predilection to, to Kanye, but and living in Michigan, I knew who Dilla was, but I never did, no pun intended, my due diligence. Right. And <laughs> in the last, I'd say three to four years, I did a really deep dive on Dilla. Like there's a mixtape on YouTube. It's like five hours long. It's just all of his loops, just looping and looping and looping. It's almost like a live stream of of just in the moment uh, stuff. So I would listen to that every single day at work. I would just throw it on and I'd listen to it. And then when I finally felt like I had an idea of who Dilla was and what he did, I would then go and listen to, you know, Donuts and, and JD and stuff like that. And then even start going beyond that and listening to like the first common record and, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And some of the stuff he was collaborating with and, and a huge yeah. imprint on that, then when I started listening to it, I go, oh, my God, I can I like Kanye is basically exactly where Dylan wow. left off. And then yeah. in, in the documentary, I've been saying that for the last like year or so since I kind of really figured this out. And then it was like and then not too far away from Dilla over in Chicago was this Uber producer, Kanye West. And then it was just like everyone's talking about how he picks up where Dilla left off. But instead wow. of using the lo-fi samples, he would speed them up and then it kind of create this like chop and twisted kind of shit. And it was basically taking as hip hop does. It took what was and evolved it to a different thing. But that his his level of knowledge of music and old music and soul music and church music and being able to blend it and put it into a hip hop sense and, you know, have those samples be able to tell a story. You look at, you know, his biggest shining moment, you know, Jay-Z blueprint, you know, song cry, you know, like that, the, the music that Jay's going over is kind of setting everything up that and informs Jay of what he's going to do on that track. And so when you start looking at Kanye's career, you realize that like he's always from a production standpoint been so far ahead of what everyone else is doing. There's shit that people are doing now that he was doing back on like Pablo when people were like, this record's whack as fuck, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's like what he's doing now is so interesting and he's always ahead. You may not like him as a person, but I also think that in entail kind of is the heart part where it's like you kind of have to at some point because there's sort of you know a beauty in the madness of following someone so creative that it's almost to their own detriment as a person right but then you know like when beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out you know and in light of all that taylor swift bullshit i remember sitting there listening to, watching that like 45 minute long movie he made in preparation like before the album came out where it had snippets of everything and i remember looking at my my girlfriend then but my now wife and i was like if like this is the shit he comes up with because of all the dumb shit he does, fuck it. I guess let him. Yeah. Because there's there's I, I don't know. Like it, it just be it must be hard to be kind of that brilliant in one thing, but almost be that fucking stupid in life. 
but somehow yeah. there's the balance between and it just creates really interesting art and throughout it all whether you like him hate him or whatever he is unapologetically himself and we could all learn to just have that that much bravado within ourselves to be like you know what i am fucking dope and you know what let me show you how dope i am oh yeah i mean dude i mean it's like i'm like you said like just being unapologetic knowing who you are like i'm like i'm sitting here we're talking about other bands and i'm like dude i hope i'm not like i'm like like i hope i'm not pissing like you have a guy like kanye west who's just like yeah it's it's, sometimes it's you there's things about him that i love but there's also stuff that i'm just like confused about you know like i'm just like don't i don't i'm I'm like why is why is someone doing this like you're such a good (laughs) you're like i'm like you're so you're so talented you have so much to offer to like music and like you're doing all this other stuff so that's the stuff that's confusing but i also you and like people change like i'm a huge huge no doubt fan no doubt was like a childhood thing for me with my sister and it like I like then they like kind of like changed my life as far as like just growing up in Southern California. I was gonna say when they were like a young ska band. Yeah, exactly. Like being like close to proximity to them and their whole story, and then like I like despise her now. Like I have her tattooed on me. Like I have her in the same spot as you. I have a Gwen Stefani portrait. I'll show you. What what era of Gwen do you have? The one. uh, Well, it's it's a still from. uh, Oh my! It's a still from the Don't Speak video. Oh, okay. Yep. Toward the end, when so, all her band, when her band literally is turning against her because they're making exactly. her out to be the band. That's funny. <laughs> so, like, it's a prime example. Like that's someone that's people are probably like, dude. What? Like you like no doubt. That's so lame. Like what the hell? You're in a metal band. That's weird. Like I've never liked her. She's a fucking crazy bitch now. What the hell is wrong with? But like, like you said, like I, I mean, like I look at it like, well, she's not she's not my favorite person anymore, but like she changed, she changed my life. Like it's part of the reason why I got into ska music, why I got into playing music, watching, watching her do her thing, like in the nineties and stuff like that. So I can relate to like having people being different about someone that, you know, that you love or inspired you. And like, I, I feel that way about this person. It's like that classic thing, like be careful, you know, don't meet your heroes or be careful yeah. who you look up to and stuff. Like I would never want to meet her now. Now I'm just like, I never, I don't want to, I just like, I'm so, I'm so comfortable with like the, the, you know, remembering you in the form of like your relationship. Yeah. I don't ever want to meet you. Yeah. Well, I feel like the, it, it's kind of tough. Cause like sometimes like, I, I feel like, like it's, it's funny. You said that like people are like, Oh, why do you have that tattoo? When I was getting that, People are like, don't like I had people that are like, don't get don't get Kanye. Don't get Kanye. You're gonna regret that. I was like, out of all the fucking tattoos I have, you're that's the one I'm like, that's the one where I'm gonna be like, man, you know what? I really wish I didn't get that. And they're like, Yeah, I think you're just gonna look back and not really be stoked that you have that. And I was like, No, like I've actually been putting it off for a while. Like, but like, yeah, I think like in because like my whole leg is is musicians uh that have inspired me in some way, shape, or form. And I just keep coming back to it's like I he's a little bit of who I think we all want to be that outward person that just is unapologetically who he is. But if you watch so much of how is his creative and so forth, he he is so he is that shy person. We all were that that introvert that is trying so like seemingly, quote unquote, trying so hard to, to not be who he really is. And there's somewhere in that duality that that is where the beauty is in him. I mean, it's like you look at the stunner shades and everyone's like, oh, they're stunner shades. Look at how like extra he's being. 
Yeah. But you know what I see? The world's still blinded to him. He only, he only, you're only getting to see a little bit in there. Like it's yeah. almost like the shades behind you, where it's like, yes, the statement seems like it's a big statement piece, but I look at it and I go, he's still hiding though. He's still yeah. a little bit afraid of truly being himself. And that was kind of the interesting thing about the Donda events is that in every single one, he had like a, a ski mask over his face. Uh, so he was basically blank and emotionless. And so to yeah. me, it was almost like how the life of Pablo tour was where there was a reviewer here locally that saw the same show and just shit all over Kanye. And was like, he's so egotistical. He had no band. He had nothing. He was above everybody. And I was like, dude, you missed it. The lights basically make him a shadow and it doesn't become about him. It's the absence. Yeah. Of him. It's about the vibe. Well, it's about everything. That yeah. He's when and you I can't like, really have a when you have like when you're doing stuff that big like the whole point of it being so mad like you the production being that big yeah you have it has to be you because yeah. that that why would you know it it doesn't make that impact where you like this is insane you know what i mean or like yeah. when you yeah or like when you when you had like i thought the the house the house production was like the coolest shit i've seen like just like something like we were talking about turnstile i was like whoa this is this is rad. Like I, I, it was very, very cool. So there, I, like I said, there's stuff that it's just like, you, you, you can't, you can't argue with, you know, but I think that that becomes like the fun thing where, you know, I'm 40 almost essentially. And I've gone through this weird phase where it's like, I grew up, you know, with my parents' music and, and the music of the old, you know, the big names, you know, the Elvises and so on and so forth. And you see, you know, these like when hair metal was big and then Nirvana comes and then there's like this alternative scene and then, you know, there's underground hip hop. And then now hip hop's basically the number like one of the top, excuse me, uh, genres of music. Now, when it, there was a time it wasn't even known, like it was like played in basements or like bodegas and shit and like just like the history of music. And it's so weird to kind of see and be my age. Cause I feel like, you know, you were talking about NFTs and like how all these other creatives and art spaces are, are thriving the music industry is stagnant and it's like because it's stuck in the old fucking way and yeah. you know like I, the other part of the conversation i was having yesterday about uh you know kanye doing coachella do people give a fuck about who's playing coachella or just do they want to be there was this bigger talking point of like you know i don't i feel like it's it's sort of in that freedom of not giving a fuck about what you're seeing that like it completely can topple everything because then it's like well if you don't care like if kanye headlines and everyone fucking leaves it's like, okay, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does that say? What what then changes uh, yeah. in the industry? How does it sh- start changing things? And I feel like, you know, with, with these antiquated uh, sales, you know, like, you know, I think it was a uh, few or not future. It was, uh, I think T-Pain put out that list the other day or a couple weeks ago about like, this is the breakdown of like every streaming platform and how, how much it streams it takes to get a dollar. Yeah. And it's one of those where it's like, you know, I remember uh, Duff McKagan was on a podcast and talked about how they went back to like Geffen or whoever owns Geffen now, maybe Sony. And they're like, Hey, we had our people look at our numbers. We think you owe us like $8 million or $12 million. And they're like, we'll give you six and we won't go. They're just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was just like guns and roses who makes fucking millions. Like appetite of destruction is still yeah. a massive fucking record and all that. And you're just like, and to have like someone from that band be like, Hey, you, you owe us millions. And they're like, we'll give you half. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Like, yeah. 
what chance does anybody else stand to 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 make a living at all or not be jaded or burnt out very quickly in it? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be signed to a massive record label right now. It sounds awful. I mean, it just it sounds like the worst thing to to do. So it's yeah, I mean, it's it's right now. Like if you're in a band, if you're in the music in, in music industry, like you're in the shit. Like you're going through the shittiest part of it. Like it's, I mean it's great because I think there's a lot of like new music and a lot of like creativity and stuff going on, which is awesome. I think that came direct result of like being in a pandemic, but like we're talking about right now, it's like, it'll be interesting to see in like 10 years where looking back on this being like, wow, like that was either like, it's so much, thank God, like we figured it out. Things are better now, or it's just going to be like scary and who knows. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, yeah, like I think Coachella, it's interesting that they put him as the headliner because I thought it was, I, you know, I thought I knew, I didn't know he was going to play, but um, it, I don't know. It feels, does it feel like a big, it feels like a big gamble to me. And I don't know why it just, I'm just like, uh, no more than Travis like, Scott would have been true. True. But yeah, I just, I just don't know in the set. And as far as like, in the sense of like what, who really cares about maybe it's like who really cares about Kanye West specifically headlining Coachella. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, I, don't with know. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so weird. Like I see a lot of these, these festivals, I see a lot of these things and and sometimes I feel like it's so, I'm so far removed from a lot of it where I'm just like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, does anyone care about any? And that's why I come to the thing. It's like, does anyone care about anything or is it because, even though I love all these different genres of music and, and tend to find myself listening to more, like, I mean, before you came on, I was listening to the roots, uh, how I got over album. And then there's been a song for the last two weeks. It randomly came on my iTunes, uh, after playing usher, but it was drew Hills. These are the times. I don't know why, but that song has been in my fucking head for like the last two weeks. And I've been playing it nonstop. And it's, it's funny because like, everyone just assumes that I love metal and, and hardcore and all that stuff. And I do, but the problem I have with it is like, I, I hate the fandom really like the, yeah. the, the people that are also quote unquote fans make me fucking hate it. Cause like, you know, I saw an article that was like M shadows from Avenge says that, you know, they're taking cues from Kanye. And if you read the article, it was about how he influence like brings in different styles of music and he's not afraid to, to do weird quote unquote weird things within music. And I could tell that no one fucking read it because they were just like, oh, so a garbage ba- or a garbage artist is influenced by another garbage artist. So it'll mm. be and you're just like, and this is the problem with this scene. Like, you know, they they dropped a surprise record. And I remember Matt being like, Yeah, you see like Beyonce, you see like all these big hip hop artists, and it just seems so fun to just surprise drop it. So like when your fans wake up the next morning, they're like, Oh shit, I got a new record. Like, this is mm. fucking cool. And then what happens? They surprise dropped it, no one knew. Because like the, the fandoms just aren't the same. They're not as accepting. They're not as willing to to essentially have fun or be loose. I totally and that's get it. Yeah. All I could, think, I could fucking think of. And it's funny as you were talking about like you know like your band like oh volumes like we do what we do and we have to kind of adhere to that. I don't know like there's like bend on your new record. I was like yeah this is really cool. Like I like this. This kind of has like different elements of some other shit that I, I you know they're talking to you and you know, hearing uh, Mike and some of the other guys do other interviews, like I can see some of the influences that caused it. But I was like, 
would people be so bummed if you went a little bit more adventurous and, and kind of tapped into more of that side and, and maybe less of the, the quote unquote heavy or genty side? Yeah. I mean, uh, people are definitely bummed. There's a lot of bummed people, <laughs> but there's more, there's, there's more positivity and more feedback than that. And and that's something that completely like we thought, we thought we were going to be like in for it. Like as far as like, we, we love these songs and there's nothing that could like stop us from, not writing them or, or putting them out, but we were just like, yeah, like it's going to stir up some shit for sure. And then honestly, the feedback, the negative feedback was, was, was like minimal. And to this day, it's minimal. I'm I'm hundred percent sure there's people out there that absolutely hate it, but you know, that's sonically, we're all about pushing the boundaries, you know, to me that that's, that's something that is really important and like we've been bubbling up to this music with our or this moment with our music that's a tongue twister um but i think like visually what i was speaking to earlier about stuff that's like you know you 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 were sweet i think it's really important to be super inspired by like the peers in your industry i think that's how you everyone keeps going um there's like really nothing original left so i think that's really how good albums get creative. Everyone's pulling from something that they liked or something that they heard, whether it's old or new. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like uh, visually though, I, we need to step it up. Like I, I have so many ideas where I'm just like, this could be really, really cool. And I think there's a consensus also like fandoms, one thing or, or your supporters, the, in, the this niche industry, this heavy music industry as a whole, the six, seven, eight labels that have artists like me and others. Um, I think there's a consensus too that there's a people are there's one way to do you know there's one way to do these videos and there's one way to do this and there's one way to do a rollout and there's we have to do it like this because I had success with another band. It's like I find the lack of enthusiasm in that department where people are ap- really apprehensive to like do a guerrilla mark. The band I'm in did a guerrilla mark marketed EP where it, where it came out uh, overnight with the coming clean EP. And it bombed, and it's like you we tr- you try to do things, but yeah, I think it, even if your team or your label, your management is down to do it and gets behind you and understands that it might or might not work out, um, you know, it's it is kind of up to the fans to absorb it. But it's all it's it's such a twisted sword because you know then then you feel like you didn't do it right and stuff like that. But typically, bands' hearts are in the right place. It's just like the lack of labels and management and booking agents caring about the fans. They don't care about the fans as much as they should. And I'm saying that from personal experience, if they did and they, they kind of have to, because the numbers aren't astronomical. Like it's, it can't just be like an artist shows up somewhere and like it's sold out all the time. Like we're talking about the Connie's and the Drake's and stuff like that for this industry. It kind of like everyone needs to like feed the hand that like feeds you, you know, like nurture that. So I just think, I think on like the, the backside of things too, like bands want to do so much and their hearts are always typically in the right place. And they want to like do cool shit for their fans and give back. It's just a matter of like their team as a whole management, booking label, getting behind that idea and like understanding that like th- something like this could like inspire the industry as a whole. And that's something we want to do, you know? So 
Yeah, I very much just kind of went through the same thing recently. Like I had prosed on like Instagram or something. It was like, oh, like here's who I want to try to get this year. Um, kind of like the, my like shot in the dark 10 people or so like I'm breaking into like with comedians and some other people. And I was like, but who would you like to hear? Maybe, you know, you know, someone, you know, might, might pop up or I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that person. But like, yeah, that'd probably be really cool. A good chat. And like one was like Maria from in this moment. I was like, hate to break it to you. Like the show is not on the level to get her. And I was right. like, you know, that's just full transparency. Like she only does very limited press. Like she's she's going to be doing like the Rolling Stones, the the alt presses. If she's doing podcasts, she's going to do maybe like Trunk Nation, Josta Show, maybe Rod Flynn's podcast, you know, like certain ones like of that, that scale. Yeah. And and I was and the, and the person was just like, well, I think your show is better than all those. And I was like, I mean, thank you. But like the reality of the situation is those shows pull in X amount of numbers. And at the end of the day, a publicist is going to look at that. And it's like, if you're only going to do three, then why not do these three where we could reach a million fucking people versus like where you're doing yours and you're maybe reaching a couple hundred to a thousand or so, you know, weekly or or whatever, you know, and it's not about the long term where it's like, oh, this episode may do shitloads you know down the road when people start finding it or the fans find it and you know it was just one of those things where like the person was like well what can i do and i was like i mean honestly like if you like if there's someone like you got a friend and you like a chat and you know like this person loves that band show them that and if yeah. they it and then they subscribe like that's cool like yeah. i was like it, it's really it's it's almost identical to supporting your like favorite small band it really sure. that fucking simple and i go yeah it seems so stupid to say it like that. And I was like, but really just supporting it and sharing it is like tremendous, like huge. Yeah. And I was like, and that, uh, you have your own community too. And I'm, and like, you probably have other people that do podcasts and you guys all like nurture each other. Like it, that's yeah. Oop. That's always fun. I don't know if he's still talking. Well, this is fun. I'm, I'm literally, <laughs> literally messaging with Michael right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, his laptop died. That's what happened. Uh, his laptop died. We're trying to see if uh, he can uh, finish it real quick on his phone because uh, I got to go in about five minutes anyway. Uh, go take my dog. 
to our friend's house because we we're going to a funeral uh, later. So let's see if Michael will hop back on. Otherwise, <laughs> this is... <laughs> there we go. Hey, brother. Sorry about that. Nope, you're good. You're good. I was just uh, filling filling the dead air, basically saying like what happened because uh, oh, I'm gosh. I don't really I don't ever edit these fucking things, so um, it's fine. That's it's where sh- we shook it up a little bit. Yeah, but anyway, you were now saying I'm the, now I'm on the steady cam, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's uh, it feels like being in a band, and it, and it kind of you know feels like when you start seeing success, and you know, it was interesting like earlier this year. Uh, a couple probably like three four months ago i changed the platform the podcast was actually hosted on because like uh all the platforms since podcasting became more popular now there's subgenres. so instead of this just being music now there's music interviews which is what i would actually fall under and right. the old platform i was on didn't have that as an option so i was i almost half my numbers went away like over the course of the year so then i put them on a new platform and it's weird because it's like I'm five years in and I'm basically essentially starting over. Like I don't have access to those old stats anymore. So someone were to be like, what's your, what's your podcast doing? It's like almost starting all over again to a degree where you're like, Oh, it's the, it's the first thousand. It's this episode's the first to get to a hundred downloads. And it's, it's kind of interesting to shake it up a little bit. It's scary, you know, to be five years into doing something and then being like, I guess I'm starting over. (laughs) I know. I mean, listen, this is kind of what my band's going through as far as like, um, like letting go of some members, adding me back, like implementing a new sound. Like we, uh, we had some very sobering moments, especially out on, on the road and, and even booking this tour, like venues were really tiny, like shows were really small in some sort. And like, you have to realize like, you know, you're rebuilding the brand, you're, you're working towards something. Obviously we can all tell ourselves that, but understanding like, the history and, and having a deep understanding of like, um, like where you were and what you're trying to do, I think is like super important, even in your position. So yeah, I can relate to that. Like we're starting from scratch. Like our numbers are, are they, they were really never there. And that's something, you know, we can, the, I mean, my own opinion of, of my own band is that like we, this band is, has a lineage of some sort, but we've, it's the only thing that really has kept us relevant. We never broke through in any type of, way that was massive and we're still trying to kind of accomplish that that's why we made the album we made but it's really hard yeah i mean now like just kind of the the top like the subjectivity of this whole conversation as far as just like how you know slow and hard things can be in 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 the industry right and and just currently right now yeah yeah it's uh it's been been interesting to kind of traverse all this but it it it's one of those, and I feel like you're very much the same way, you guys. I mean, you have to be because, like, you're only doing it for yourself because there's there's so much work and, and tireless shit that you do that is so thankless that, like, when you do it, you just like release some shit, and then you're just like, I mean, what the fuck is the point of like sacrificing yeah. so much of my life and time to something yeah. that I get like nothing? I feel like I feel like every band feels like that when they release something. <laughs> like every every guy friend i know that's in a band it's like the same conversation like is the so yeah i think that's like those are aspects and 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 like vibes that just can easily like consume you and and come with like playing like kind of 
a genre of music that isn't massive or, you know, being in a situation in a band that's very lucrative. So yeah, I've, I've, yeah, there's a lot of that. Definitely. Well, to kind of wrap things up, cause I got to gear up to take my dog uh, to a friend's house. Cause I got a funeral to start getting ready for. Um, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, where can everyone find you or anything you would like to plug online? I mean, my Instagram is kind of just where I put everything that anyone needs to, to know or <laughs> is anyone's to. concerned of. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, like I have it, you know, I have it down here on the handle. You just follow me on Instagram and you can find everything I'm up to there. And uh, I'm, I haven't ever done this, but I'm going to prose this just because uh, fuck it, why not? And the, the, full mode of transparency just doing shit that's fun possibly um i know don't know what your schedule is like but would you be into doing something maybe once a month uh where we just bullshit for like an hour we'll call it at like bar conversations or at the bar like i loved your handle but like usually i feel like yeah, you, and I, you, you and i's conversations are very much like the impetus of why i started the show which was just me and a friend talking and then it like it goes and there's sort of a connectivity to it but you don't realize until you're at the end, like you just kind of point out, like kind of actually bring it full circle of what we've been talking about. Right. But I love the fact that like the two times now that I've had you on, we cover really interesting shit. And it always seems to be interestingly enough, tailored around conversations you've had unbeknownst to me that I just somehow tap into. Dude, and then let's do it. In. I would love to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then that way, I mean, whatever, we can uh, do it once a month or whatever fits into your schedule. But I think uh, I always enjoy talking to you. We always kind of get deep and, and I think it's it's no bullshit and fun. So I, uh, I've i never really prosed to do something like this with anyone else to bring them back on. But I just feel like every time we do, I, I always want to keep going and want there to be more uh, more quickly because I enjoy the conversation. Yeah, let's go for it, dude. I would love to. Yeah. Well, we can, uh, I guess, text or figure that out, and we'll leave 100%. people hanging uh, with uh, the possibility of what, when and what that will look like. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, starting that at some point. And uh, nice. looking forward I like to... Your, uh, I like your strategy, your 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 tactic, your little, your little marketing tactic, then leave them hanging. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got, I mean, if I've learned anything, it's you got to leave them wanting more. Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> Kanye West, baby. Kanye West. There you go. Well, enjoy the rest of your day, man, and thank you so much for taking the time. YouTube, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah. So that was my conversation with Michael Barr. Again, of volumes, and that is a can of liquid death that I just opened. I uh, got my two cases in the mail the other day, and it has been very great to have that. Um, it is really cold outside. Uh, here in Michigan the other day, it was actually like 10. <laughs> so a lot of times what uh, my wife and, and I will say just generally people who live in cold areas, what we do is uh, a lot of times we don't even bring beverages into our house. We'll just leave them outside. Uh, your your property essentially becomes a refrigerator or freezer. Uh, and it is the way to keep your drinks as cold as possible. Uh, sometimes you even get a nice little slushy uh, action going on as I did uh, this morning with a uh, one of my other drinks that I've had today, which was my Monster Rehab, the uh, tea and lemonade one. Uh, so it was almost like a slushy of sorts. But um, no, Liquid Death. Uh, definitely been celebrating a couple of friends' birthdays the last couple of days. Uh, so I've been waking up uh, not with hangovers, uh, just waking up with dry mouth after <laughs> smoking at the end of these nights uh, and just waking up super parched and uh, needing lots of, uh, lots of water and hydration. So shout-outs out to uh, Liquid Death and... Uh, monster rehabs the teas uh super good 
Um, this chat, though, was super good. Again, I really enjoyed my time with Michael, and, and it was, like I said, it, it was so nerve-wracking at first because I was like, man, like, you know, Dewey from Pure Pleasure and I talk about it all the time where it's like sometimes you're a little bit nervous to have someone back on when you had a really great first conversation because you're not sure that that it'll happen again and you don't kind of want to, like, taint the good thing you had. Um, so there's always a little bit of trepidation on my end with having someone come back, but... I think, I hope uh, that I have a pretty good success rate, actually, of, you know, having people on uh, again and that there's, you know, more meat on the bone when we have these people back on. Uh, and as you heard at the end, I have prosed uh, to to Michael to come on maybe like once a month and to just shoot the shit. Um, like I said, it, it was it's really comforting to kind of tap into something that like there's something there between Michael and I think like we're, we're just able to kind of just kind of hit things and topics that like we're both weirdly attuned to at that moment. And, uh, yeah, just a great dude. Um, want to see a lot of success for the band. And honestly, um, you know, he kind of made the comment about, you know, knowing what volumes is and, and looking to some of these other bands and wanting to kind of branch out and do more. And the thing that's interesting about it is, is there are songs in volumes catalog that I think fans really enjoy and would like to see the band keep expanding more. So I don't think they are maybe as pigeonholed as, as maybe Michael thinks that they have to be, but I don't know. Um, I think that's kind of what makes, makes the band interesting because I, I don't necessarily know where they're going to go. And they have so many unique influences and to kind of try to see how the band traverses, you know, the, these things I I'm interested to see, and I know I've talked about it on the show before on during actual chats, but, you know, I'm interested to see what the pandemic does now for the industry, because, you know, the antiquated nuances of having to pick, you know, touring packages based on first week sales or whatever, when I don't really think that fucking matters to me, it's like, you know, do you have, do you have people come and see you? Do you have a, like good music? Do you write good songs? And I think at the end of the day, I think that's all that should matter. Not necessarily like, oh, this band was you know, top 50 on Billboard the first week they came out. And, you know, Doc Coyle actually did a really great chat with some industry people on his show kind of talking about does it matter, like, first week numbers. You know, we keep seeing all these press outlets going, such and such band failed the debut in the top 200. Uh, sales were down, you know, 30% from the last record. Or You know, they, there's all these statistics that get used. And, you know, I've been actually making the comment recently that it's funny how we sometimes use math to either sell something or to undervalue something, you know, like with toilet paper, you know, it's a great example. I remember someone was like, there's an ad and it was like, Oh, we're 13% or 32%, something like that. It was like a, a weird number or an arbitrary number better than the leading competition. And I was like, well, that sounds like a giant number, but it's like, if you were to do it in, so we're, we'll say if it was like by thickness of toilet paper or whatever. Okay. So you say you're 32% softer than the other, the leading competition, but if that really is just a density number you're breaking down and you were to say, well, we're only 0.0005 something, you know, thicker than the leading competition, you would hear that and go, well, that's not that impressive. But it's more impressive to say we're 32% more th softer, whatever, more dense than the other company. And it's weird when you start looking at how someone will spin the narrative based on numbers and stats. Um, so it's, it's always interesting to kind of just take that kind of stuff into, in, into accountability, uh, with things, which actually I kind of think was 
piggybacking off of the chat that Michael and I had last time, you know, talking about this advertising, talking about business and, and how things aren't always the way they're perceived to be and how it's just, it's always kind of interesting being sold to in all these different ways. Um, all of that aside, uh, hopefully Michael and I can figure out some time to maybe do this once a month, um, shoot the shit, get you a fun, fun episode, hopefully, uh, if you enjoy it. And uh, I think using his Twitter handle is already a great name for the show, At The Bar. So that leads me right into the plugs here at the end. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Volumes, you can find them on Facebook at Volumes Band, Instagram at Volumes LA, and Twitter at Volumes Band. If you would like to keep up with Michael, you can find him on Instagram at Michael underscore bar and Twitter at The Bar, B-A-R-R, as in his last name. Clever name. And... Uh, for the podcast, if you want to find us, it's simple enough. Go to brewspeakpod.com. That'll be your official landing page for everything you need to know about this podcast. I uh, also want to shout out uh, our patrons. Um, it's been really great getting to kind of talk with you guys about some stuff. Uh, I actually got a DM the other day uh, from another fan of the show uh, talking about the Sunday Day Real Estate episode and how you know they had forgotten how great that record or the records that the band had put out was. And even though I'm admittedly not the biggest Stray Light Run fan at all, uh, I really enjoyed that conversation with Sean Cooper, and it's just one of those where it's been good getting feedback recently. Um, like I say all the time, I get so much non-feedback, essentially. Like, I'll put out these episodes, and, you know, I see what they do, and sometimes somebody will say, like, hey, this is a good episode, whatever, and that's about it, but it's like, those are my friends. So to kind of see some people kind of poking their heads out from under the uh, proverbial sand and and you know, complimenting me or, or saying something about a past episode has been really, really great uh, for me and, and really encouraging. I, I kind of went through a little bit of a struggle the last like week or two starting another uh, part-time gig and just feeling overwhelmed and wondering if I'm spreading myself too thin, like what's kind of the point with some different aspects of my life. And uh, this podcast, I think, is definitely this year, you know, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to and a lot of growth in it that I think is going to be really good. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to, uh, doing more of these and just kind of seeing where this year goes. Um, it's, it's been a very interesting end of my year and the beginning of it as well. Um, so without uh, further ado, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Uh, thanks for listening. And if you would like to support our sponsors, uh, they're in the show notes. We'll run down real quick again, rockabilia.com. Go to the website. Uh, you can use our code brutally and save 10% off your total purchase order. Go to the bean bastard. You can pick up some delicious coffee. Kickstart your day with a strong local independent coffee shop out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, if you are in that area, go to their brick and mortar it's actually a really fucking cool store, uh, and there's lots of nostalgia in there if you're at least of the 30 or a little older. And uh, last but not least, On Point Pomade. Uh, go to their website, onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 and get 15% off your total purchase order. Uh, as of when I'm recording this, I am hopefully going to get some time to go hang out with Maddie when we go to Nashville, and uh, looking forward to that and kind of getting to explore a little bit of an area I haven't been to in well over a decade. So I guess potentially if you hear this and you have any suggestions of where I should go, hit me up on Twitter, BruceSpeakBot.com. Email me, BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. Would love any and all suggestions, dive bars, food places, places to go drink, uh, something that's, you know, more of a locals kind of spot versus touristy shit because that is more my vibe. And for the podcast, I will talk to you all next week where our guest is Will Putney, a fit for an autopsy. That was a great chat, and I will see you all then.